Welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode. And welcome to another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. The podcast where the geeks drink, discuss our geek topics of the week, and just have a general good time. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm joined today by... Megan Gomez. Yeah. Adam is not here for this episode only because he did not watch our topic this week. And so I brought in a fellow a fellow geek and previous joiner of our podcast to chime in and, and Basically, discuss. I'm the Star Trek like guru. Yes. Um, so before we get started on the topic, guys, we'll make sure you guys know where to find us. Follow us, like, subscribe, comment. Wherever you can find us on social media at Geek Drink Pods. So that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Discord, um, Trekkie, Guru.com. I don't know. I'm making up stuff now. Like Cosplay Anonymous or something? Like, what are you trying to do here? <laughs> Cosplay Anonymous. I like that one. That's not out there. We're going to make that website. All right. And uh, make sure you guys just leave us a comment. Um, tell us what you guys think of this week's episode and other episodes. Also, leave us some ideas for future episodes. Um, eventually, we'll run out of ideas, and we need you guys to help us talk about other other things that we may not want to talk about yet or don't know about. Um, but with that being said, guys, it's that time of the week. It's time to lubricate up and have our drink of the week. Grab your beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week. All right, and this week we're both drinking something a little different. Um, I Megan, am, what are you drinking? I am drinking a snow-capped cider. Um, it is from Single Varietal, Colorado. Um... Yeah, I'm not really sure where it's from, but yeah, it's in Colorado, and that's where we hail from, so um, I love ciders, so yeah. it's going to be good. And I'm drinking the Princess Yum Yum Raspberry Kolsch from Denver Beer Company. Which is a great name for a drink. Princess, Princess Yum, Yum Yum. If we were talking about uh, Mario, this would be a perfect one for us. Yeah, it would. Uh, so this is raspberries in a Kolsch style, um, and it is a 4.8% alcohol. Oh, 4.8%. I don't even know what I'm at. Let's see. I think you Dang. are. I think ciders are typically higher alcohol volume. This one doesn't say. Oh, maybe it does. I can't. Maybe we just can't 6. read. 6.9. See? 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 You're trying to get me drunk. See that? <laughs> All right, folks. Well, cheers. Cheers. It is crispy and honey-y. <laughs> like a honey crispy? Oh, yeah. Honey crisp. Yeah. All right. It's well. great. I've had this before, but it doesn't taste a lot like raspberry. What do you think? Oh, you you and your raspberry lately. I don't know. I, we talked about it earlier, me and Adam, that I've been drinking like... Oh, yeah. It doesn't taste like raspberry. No, it's still good. Yeah, it's still good. Um, You know, I've been eating my raspberry yogurt, my raspberry granola bars, and... It's raspberry out the butt right now. Raspberry jam on my pancakes and, and waffles and French and toast. French toast, yes. He puts raspberry jam on his French toast. He's one of those. I don't do syrup. I, don't, I just it because it makes a mess on your eggs, and I don't like syrup with my eggs. 
Well, I don't like syrup with my eggs either. That's the reason why you put your eggs further away from yeah, your But if you're like toast. me and you're a fat kid, you pile it all up and <laughs> the jam doesn't spread like that. No, and it also, doesn't. Also, you can also, if you're really desperate, just pick it up with your hand and eat it like a piece of toast. But it's like better than toast. Although, after knowing you, I do like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with French toast. Oh, yeah. But that was all you because I would never have thought of that in a million years. Yeah. It's delicious. It is delicious. All right, folks. Well... With that being said, we've had a, a drink now. We'll keep drinking throughout the episode, but it's time to talk about our topic of the week. What are the geeks going to talk about this week? All right. And so this week, you know, we brought back Megan. Um, uh, you guys heard her last when we talked about new Trek versus old Trek and what it means for us. Um, we brought her back in for this episode because um, she's a fellow Trekkie. And she watches the new Trek with me. Um, and we're going to talk about Picard, specifically season three. Mm-hmm. Um, because this was the series finale, final season, epic season, if you ask me. Of course. It was just, you know, a wet dream for any kind of... Uh... <laughs> <A> wet dream? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> for um, anybody who loves Picard and, and the rest of the crew um, of the Enterprise, uh, it's just... You know, all the characters come back at some point. They even brought back Voyager characters, uh, DS9 characters. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, and as we, we talk about it more and more, we'll get more in-depth in certain things. You know, the first two seasons of Picard were, I wouldn't say rough, but they were just different from what we expect from a Star Trek series. Especially yeah. after watching Discovery... Um, Strange New Worlds, even Lower Decks, those are all very Starship-focused series like Star Trek tends to be. But the first two seasons of Picard tend to be more of a, I guess a human drama is the best way to put it. I would agree. I I mean, I liked the first two seasons of Picard just because I like Jean-Luc Picard and I, I'd like to see his um, story further. However, um, I think one of my biggest annoyances with it was that in the first season, Picard wasn't the main character. Um, He was kind of a backstory. Um, And in the second season, you know, they brought back Q and they had the whole underlying Q story and back in time. And um, I that was really interesting just because I felt like, you know, Picard and Q have just had a constant play on each other. Yeah. And. You know, one thing I liked about them bringing Q back, they bring the Q back that we... I mean, it's always been the same Q, but they brought back Q in the way that he interacted with Picard in Next Gen, not the Q... Versus Not the way he interacted with Janeway. And those are two very... Same character, but very distinct interactions. So I'm glad it was... Well, yeah, Q was trying to get into Janeway's pants. I mean, Q was not trying to get into (laughs) Picard's pants. I don't know if they were pants and much they were just like a one-piece suit. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was, like you said, it was very much a, a you know, it's a human drama. You know, the first season was very much kind of dealing with his remorse and regret for Data's death. And the second season was kind of more of his dealing with childhood trauma and how it affected him in the future that he didn't realize um, with his mother's suicide. and Yeah, but then uh, it also had the underlying tone of um, the trauma that he has dealt with in his relationships too. He hasn't been able to get close to anybody in a romantic kind of way, even though there were romantic relationships. Oh yeah. I mean, 
and we'll talk about. And I, one of them obviously plays a huge role in, episode, in season three. Yeah. Um, him and Beverly, um, but you know you see throughout various episodes of Next Gen and even a movie or two, he's had some kind of romantic dabbles out there. But yeah, this is you know this season finally I think really hit the nail on the head when we discuss Picard's love life because. But what about Loris? Okay, we'll, we'll wait for hot takes. Yeah, we'll wait for hot takes for that we'll one. We'll wait for exactly hot takes. that one. Um, so, you know, for those of you who haven't watched Picard, I hit pause, go watch the 10 episodes. You'll be, excuse me, amazed. Um, it was amazing. I think what was fun about Picard was that we weren't sure who was going to be coming back. So I felt like Matt and I were just guessing. We're like, oh, it's going to be, you know, somebody from Deep Space Nine or, oh, it's going to be somebody from Voyager. And... I think that brought an interesting and fun element to it because we weren't sure. Yeah, where it was the, coming the showrunners. So Terry Metalis was a showrunner, and he he got his start. Um, he actually wrote a few episodes of Voyager and Enterprise um, before he branched off and did non Trek work. He did the Twelve Monkeys TV series right before this, um, and he was brought on to be the showrunner for this season and last season um, as associate. This season was his his crown jewel, and he's a Trekkie. He loves Trek. He loves the lore. He loves um, the fandom. So I think this was a nice change because he knew exactly what the fans wanted in Picard. And season three of Picard almost felt like a mix between season eight of The Next Gen mm-hmm. and almost like season eight of Deep Space Nine, too. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it was a good rounding out of what happened with the story of Next Gen. Um, I feel like there was a lot of maybe storylines that didn't really finish, especially with, you know, Beverly and Picard and where, where they going in their relationship? Yeah, are they going to, where they, won't they? Yeah. And then, you know. It turns out they did after the events of Nemesis and this is where we get a new main character this season. We get Picard and Beverly's love child. Yes. Jack. Jack. Um, Jack Crusher. Jack Crusher. Played by a, um, oh, what was his name? Ed Spielers. Yeah, he's very attractive. <laughs> um, and for those of you, my wife probably recognized him from Outlander. Yep. Um, he was in the Aragon movie, Down to Nabby. Um, so yeah, he is a, uh, according to my wife, a very good looking man. He's a very good looking man. But I what's interesting about it is that they did pick a pretty good um, actor to look similar to. He had a lot of feet, like distinguishing fingers. Yeah, to features that Stewart. showed that he was their kid. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I could definitely see Beverly and Picard having him as a child, just the way that he looked. Yeah. Although he did have quite a bit of hair. I mean, if you watch Star Trek Nemesis, you know... Shinzon had no hair. Yeah. He had no hair. But I know that he was a clone. I get it. Yeah. But still, he, Jack Crusher had amazing hair. And which is funny because... So, obviously, we're going off our top, top topic real quick. In Nemesis, Tom Hardy didn't have hair. But there were episodes of Next Gen where they did, like, a flashback. And Picard, I mean, it was a bad toupee they were using, but he had hair. But it was a toupee. Yeah. But yeah. it was meant to be that he <laughs> lost his hair eventually, not... That young. Yeah. Um, so you've got him. I mean, I, I want to talk about, I think, the breakout character no one thought was going to be a breakout character, and that's Captain William Shaw. 
Mm. Yeah, I think that he was meant to be disliked in the beginning, but as time went on, I started agreeing with what he was saying. (laughs) Um, And I could see where he was like, no, I'm not going to deal with this shit that you guys always get into. Um, This is my ship, and I don't want to deal with the bullshit that you guys always bring, all the drama, and you're not going to destroy my ship. And sure enough, that's basically what Will and Picard decided to do. Yeah. Just, you know, overtake the ship and destroy it, basically. (laughs) And so he is played by a uh, Todd Stashwick. So for those of you who don't know much about him, he um, has been... In a few movies, but he's been really well known for um, the Twelve Monkey series, which makes sense since Terry mm-hmm. Metalis was the showrunner for that. Um, he's been in certain things, so some of the things I mean you've seen, he's been in Men of a Certain Age. Mm. Um, obviously, Picard. He's been in Gotham, Grey's Anatomy. For those of you uh, mm-hmm. folks that love that kind of stuff, but yeah, so he. Um, yeah, you said he, he plays very much like a character at the very beginning you you want to hate. And I think it's because, you know, you've got Riker and Picard coming to his ship, which was Riker's former ship. Yep. Um, or named after Riker's ship, the Titan. Um, and, you know, these are Starfleet legends. You know, Picard is, is a, like a Kirk of his era. Uh, Riker is rightfully right up there. The whole crew is. And they're like, yeah, we're here to check out your ship. And he's just kind of an asshole. To the point where he even makes them sleep in bunk beds together mm-hmm. instead of, you know, their own their own room. Yeah, their own state's room, even though Picard's an admiral. And um, how far did Riker get? Is, is he still a captain? Yeah. yeah. The captain. Yeah. So you, you've got him and his arc. You know, he, he admits that he is an asshole and he does it on purpose. Um, Seven of Nine's back from the past few seasons and obviously from Voyager and... He refuses to let her be called Seven of Nine. She has to be called by her... Annika. By her human name. Right. But, I mean, like, you kind of find out further, you know, further into the storyline that um, he was actually in that part where Picard destroyed... The Federation Fleet. The Federation Fleet. uh, The Battle of Wolf 359. Yeah, and he was a part of that, so he really hates the Borg, which is why he didn't want... Seven of Nine to be called Seven of Nine. He wanted her to be called Annika. And their relationship was interesting, too. I mean, in the beginning, she kind of hated him, but in the end, she really um, respected him. Yeah. Maybe not liked him, but respected him. Respected him, him, um, you know, especially because you see at one point he's injured and Riker takes command of the ship. Um, and And a big shock, big reveal is... Changelings are back as kind of the initial big bad. It turns out they're not the final big bad of the season. Um, with Vatic, who was a great villain, by the yeah, way. Yeah, she was a great villain. I She was very believable as a villain. She was almost to the point of like where Nemesis was with Tom Harding. I feel like she was kind of comparable in that... I would almost say she's close to acting. like a... Not quite a Tom Hardy. I think obviously above that. I would almost put her on par with like Kaiwin, deviousness kind of Kaiwin. But you're not gonna say Goldacott. No, he was Goldacott was the ultimate bad guy. Yeah, because there was points where Goldacott where you actually like sympathized with him or you felt bad for him. 
Or you kind of almost and liked him. she was him. just so much... And they never liked Kaiwen. No. From the start, you're like, she is just a biatch. Yeah. Same thing with, uh, I guess, um, Vatic. I mean, you just... You hated her from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, and she's so, like... I wouldn't call it, say, bipolar, because I don't want to offend people who are bipolar, but it was almost like a bipolarness because she was... Excuse me, very high, you know, very happy, joyful, and then she would just kind of go dark all of a sudden, and she'd have all these. Well, she's just mentally deranged, I guess is the yeah. right word to say. Well, and it turned out it's because she's been tortured for her entire life by yeah. the Federation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse me. So that was like the big reveal that, like, the reason why she hates the Federation so much is because she was um, essentially tortured by the Federation. They, After the war, yeah. They took several samples of changelings and would do. Would subject them to various tortures, you know, um, shock them, put them under fire. Trying to get them to be, like, stay in shape longer than they did, they can. Yeah, freeze. They, they did, like, a horrible thing. Yeah, almost to the point where, so for, for those of you who didn't watch these Space Nine, the Changelings were the big bad of that series, but they can only hold their solid shape and mimicking people for so long before they had to revert to their liquid state and regenerate. Yeah. And these ones, they've been trained and conditioned and genetically modified to the point where they can hold shape for weeks without having it revert back. Yeah. And I think Odo from Deep Space Nine, I think it was like 18 hours tops. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, she had a lot of nuances to her character. Um, but going back to Captain Shaw, you know, the, the changelings are revealed and he's in his quarters trying to heal up his leg and Seven of Nine is trying to help him devise ways to detect changelings because now blood screens don't work. They actually can mimic organs and blood now when they couldn't do that before and he's like well one way to determine a changeling is you know if they don't know all the facts that you think someone should know and he's like yeah like seven you're a you're a great person and you're gonna be you're gonna go far and he's being very sarcastic and she goes yeah i know it's you because you're an asshole yeah and that's also how they were able to find some changelings and like like the big reveal towards the end of the season mr tuvok captain tuvok at this point yeah um, you know, he, and that's one thing they did really well with the show is they never kind they never let us know any spoilers in advance. No. Even to the point when they were showing teasers for the next episode or even teasers for the next behind the scenes episode. They're like, we can't even tell you who our special guest we're going to interview is. That's how top secret it is. Yeah, and I and that made it even more interesting and more exciting to watch it because we didn't know who was going to show up. Yeah, you had... And lo- me loving Voyager, when I saw Tuvok, I was like, Tuvok! Yeah, and then he was but a changeling. Then he was a changeling, and then I was all sad. But then, then he, he came, came back! back. <laughs> um, I mean, you had Ro Laren, uh, played by Michelle Forbes, come back for an episode mm-hmm. from TNG. Which um, was kind of crazy to see her, because she was kind of just a blip. Yeah. In TNG. Well, she had a few... She was about 10, 20 episodes over the course of a few seasons. But the fact that she defected to the Maquis and really hurt Picard. I mean, that was a great episode because he's had 30 years to dwell on the fact that she abandoned the Federation and betrayed him. Mm-hmm. And now she's back and she's going to court-martial him. And he's just like, who the hell do you think you are after everything you did? Yeah. And that was a great kind of cut off to that storyline. Yeah, it was a good, a, good, a good... I wouldn't call it finale. It was a good way to, to close it out and give them a little closure on that piece. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you had... Obviously, Riker's back. Troy comes back for a few episodes. Jordy's back. He's the mm-hmm. 
he he own, he not owns he runs the fleet museum which will play a big part later on okay. um data is resurrected through a human android body with lore inside of him as well um but really i think we need to talk about the guy who stole the show who stole the show Worf. oh Worf. His pacifist. <laughs> Worf, I mean... He turned into a pacifist he, warrior. Isn't that what he called yeah. himself? A pacifist warrior? Where he only fights if he has to. And it's only for peace. It's only for peace, yeah. It was it was great because you've seen Worf go from... Kind of the machismo character at the beginning of Next Gen to... This loving, caring kind of man when he's married to Jadzia during Deep Space Nine. In his own sort of way. And then being a grieving person when she's, when she's killed... Throughout the, in the series, um, he I think has shown besides Picard the, almost the most character growth over mm-hmm. the course of the three series. Um, but he was great, you know. He he is a warrior for peace. He drinks chamomile tea now. He meditates. Um, he fell asleep on the bridge after the big fight at the end. <laughs> yeah, um, and then his relationship with Rafi was. Um... I think just really endearing and was really a good show running through the entire season. It's just seeing their interactions. I mean, he went from, you know, being her secret mentor and part of Section 31 into, um, you know, partner in crime. Yeah. And, and, and almost a father figure yeah like work. a mentor um, which I think she needed because of her past history and you've seen it throughout the other seasons and it's mentioned in the season she's a former drug addict uh, she has a lot of issues with um, kind of going off the deep end on the conspiracy theories that she she'd run with um, and that's kind of what got her drummed out of Starfleet the first couple times yeah it's made her husband divorce her her kid not talk to her yeah um, and it was just really interesting to see their relationship grow. I mean, he taught her how to fight better, which actually ended up helping them in the end when they were basically, you know, Picard and Riker and everybody was, you know, fighting everybody. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and just a one man band. And uh, she became a huge badass, which was awesome. Yeah. So one of the things that the show did really well is hide who the big bad was. And now that you rewatch it, you see the clues, but you really couldn't see him and understand what the clues were watching it first time viewing. But, you know, the big bad is, and of course it makes sense, is the Borg. Mm-hmm. Because that's Picard's biggest trauma. Being assimilated and, and forced to do all those horrible things when he was a member of the Borg. Um, and it turns out... They're kind of manipulating the changelings, but they're so decimated from Janeway's attack 15, 20 years earlier that they really could only muster one ginormous cube. Yeah, it's a gigantic cube. And what was really interesting is that the queen was actually staying alive off of the lives of her drones, which was really interesting. And she was so just... She looked. I mean, it was great prosthetic makeups. Yeah, she looked so deranged and so malformed and so just barely kept alive. Almost, I would. I would liken it to almost how kind of Palpatine looked during the last Star Wars movie. Yeah, but I think what was really cool about that was that they brought back the original voice of the Queen and and Alice Creed. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's sixty five, seventy. She probably wouldn't. 
not have done well with all that prosthetics and being hung from a wall for days on end. No, but I thought that was really cool because you got to hear her voice, and that's, you know, a lot of people, when they think about the Borg, they think about her because yeah. she was just such a bad, good, bad guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, she did First Contact, the movie, and then she did a couple episodes of Voyager as yes. well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how Jordy kind of plays into it, and he's running the Fleet Museum. Well... He, um, you know, they, they, they take refuge there to kind of get him on their side when they're trying to uncover this whole mystery. And, you know, they uh, end up having to go back there after everyone's been assimilated. And they have nowhere else to go because the fleet's been assimilated and it's under Borg control. So they're like, well, we need to go to a ship that has no ties to the Borg in terms of no automation. And then we have the great reveal. The greatest reveal. Um, Jordy has spent the past 20 years of his time. Rebuilding the Enterprise D. Yeah, the Enterprise yeah. D came back. Yeah, he I think the... that gave everybody like just shivers yeah. because it was just amazing to see the original. Well, and it was so great. Well, because, the set. Yeah, the way they the set and, and you know the ship itself. Because for those of you who follow along, you know the Enterprise D, the the star drive, the the warp section was destroyed in generations, and the saucer had crash land. Um, and so it's like, hey, we pulled the saucer up from the planet and. Jordy built everything inside of it and then hooked it up to an old warp core section from a different ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool because they, they took that continuity in the visual effects. And so when you watch the Enterprise D fly by, the saucer is obviously a little bit more aged. And it's got all those little burn, burn marks burn on marks, it from yeah. crashing into the planet. And then the bottom half's a little pristine. So yeah. that was kind of cool. I think what was also cool is we watched, you know, kind of the extras and they were talking about how. Um, they had to completely rebuild the set of Enterprise D. They had nothing to go they had, off of but They had pictures. nothing, yeah, except for pictures. And it was really cool because, you know, previously they had to use lights, you know, stage lights, that kind of stuff to, you know, kind of backlight some of those um, computers and such. And now, obviously, we have LED lights, which is, you know, a lot brighter, yeah. a lot different kind of lighting. And they actually ended up changing it specifically to make it look like it was in the 90s which i yeah. thought was just really cool because oh, yeah. when you when it was revealed the bridge it literally looked like something in the 90s that they just walked right into yeah and actually so fun fact um when the show was over it took them four four or six months to build it for three days of shooting um and when they were done they took it apart and they kept it well so i'm they, glad that they kept it and i hope that they open up in a museum yeah or because something. how awesome would it be to just like walk through the yeah. Enterprise? Team? I mean, they did everything from they had to re they had to basically design the chairs again from scratch and reupholster them and yeah. Every I mean, I think they were able to. They weren't able to scavenge obviously anything. Um, so no, and the fact that they brought in some of the set designers from the original from the next gen helps, I think too. Yeah, um, I mean, it was a great reveal that the Enterprise is back. The only. The fun thing, and it was kind of it was interesting to see, was when the Enterprise D takes on the Borg cube and it's flying through it like the Millennium Falcon does on the Death Star. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that just shows how big the Borg cube really was. Oh, yeah. That the Enterprise D, which is a fairly large ship, holds a thousand people. Yeah, was able to fly into the Borg cube. Um, the, I mean, just imagine how big it is. I think the Borg cube was almost as big as the side, you know, Jupiter, right? It was just where it was hiding. It was hiding in the great red spot. I think, if I recall, they were showing 
the scale of it, I think, like, the Enterprise-D is, like, 600 meters long, mm-hmm. but the Borg Cube is 20,000 kilometers across. Yeah. It's just huge. And it's a cube, so it's 20 by 20 by, you know. Yeah, it was just huge. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite lines when they reveal the Enterprise-D is, they're like, oh, it's the Enterprise-D, and Georgie's like, well, we can't use the E because someone blew it up, and the warp's like, that was not my fault. I know. I mean, I really <laughs> want to know what happened to it now. It was great <laughs> You know, he was. If you follow the novel that led up to Picard, that is canon. When Picard became an admiral and had to go save the Romulans, they made Worf the captain. Mm-hmm. And so now the Enterprise E has been destroyed. We see the Enterprise F for a little bit, which is I'll, I'll play in that to my hot takes because it was a beautiful looking ship, um, and that's being decommissioned too. So it's like, well, it's only been like twenty five years. How can mm-hmm. they go through two ships so fast? But. Yep. Um, and then we, you know, we end the series on a, on a positive note. You know, the, the good guys win. You know, which I was surprised. I been surprised Picard lived through everything. I, did, I thought maybe they'd kill him off or give him some sort of hero death. I think we definitely thought that they were going to kill him off. And then you have, you know, this. It's been a year since the event of the series, and they they finally bring the Enterprise D back to the Fleet Museum and kind of give it its spot in the museum. And those the museum shot when they first showed the museum was awesome because they showed. The Enterprise A is still there. Voyager, Voyager still there. was the, still Defiant. there. Defiant. Yeah, that was awesome. And it was great because when they showed Voyager, you know, Seven and Nine got sentimental. And she's like, that was my home. That's where I was reborn. And that ship means everything to me. And so, you know, we're, we're at the Fleet Museum again. And we're, like I said, the Enterprise D is back. And it's on display now. And they go back to Earth and Space Dock and... And Jack's now in, in Starfleet, and Beverly's the Admiral. But he's not even an ensign, really. He's he is just, an ensign, yeah. Oh, I thought he was just some sort of, like, um, science officer No, so he's an ensign liaison. by rank, and he's, like, the special... I wouldn't say envoy, like, the special... I thought he was a science officer. Special he's, advisor. But he's a science officer. No, he's just command. He's got red. Huh. It'll be interesting. Um, interesting. But so we see him join up with Seven, who's been promoted by Tuvok, the captain. Rafi's her first officer, and they are now on the Titan A, which is now no longer the Titan A. It is officially the Enterprise G. Yes. And I mean, I think it was. I think it was really cool because it it shows that the Enterprise doesn't have to be the biggest ship in the fleet like it has been in the past. No, it just has to have the best crew. The best crew, um, and. I really liked how the, the Titan A was built as a homage to the, the Constitution class. Mm-hmm. So it's considered a Constitution 3 class because you had, obviously, the original with the original Enterprise. And then the refit was considered a Constitution 2 class. So this is a Constitution 3 class. So it looked great. Nerd. I know. I know. Well, look at this room. How many Enterprises and ships do I have? Yeah, you have quite a few. And there's more coming, ladies and gentlemen. No, no not yet. Oh, not yet. Not no. yet. Yet. I, they really need to make... I, I mean, I know Eagle Moss went under, and they're selling off the, the remaining supplies. God, if they were still making ships, I'd be buying so many Picard ships to see, from this season. I, You know, I can't even count the amount of ships that are around this room right now, to be honest. 24, I think, is what I counted this morning. 24. Uh, I mean, one, two, three, four, five... You know, six, he did seven, get a... Battlestar Galactica, just saying... 20, 21, 22. 22, yes. 22. Um, 
23. I missed one. <laughs> and that's oh, not no. counting the Boba Fett ship there, so 24 then. Well, and the one that you're making. Yes, my giant Enterprise D model that will start back up in July. It is huge. Oh, yeah. It's going to be... It is huge. It's like two feet long. Yeah. It lights up and everything. Right now, he just has a saucer section. Just a frame, too. And it's like a good foot long. Yeah. Just a saucer. It's big as my torso. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh, that's going to be glorious. But anyways, we digress. Yeah. So, you know, we've kind of talked about the series in general. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about that I think was a great thing they did with the series was musically a lot of throwbacks to other series and other movies. So one of the things that we should have caught on to was they played a lot of the first contact theme. Yeah. Which Which we didn't really realize. I just thought it was really cool because it's a a really beautiful theme. It is. But I don't think we realized until we heard some of the extras where they were kind of saying, oh, this is coming from this and this and this. You know, I love scores uh, from, you know, multiple movies and and TV shows and such. But I'm not... One of those people that can really just hear it and know exactly where it's from. They, they have to be very iconic for me. So, like, the first contact theme is very iconic to me. Obviously, the Voyager themes, whenever you see, whenever well, yeah. they, they showed Voyagers, like, they played it. And it was like, oh. Um, and the Klingon theme made famous in Star Trek Three yeah. when you saw Warp. That was pretty iconic, too. And that was cool. Yeah. They played that a few times. Um, but, I mean, there's so many things that were just good throwbacks to the, to the next gen like in that final episode when President Chekhov, so Chekhov's son, is president of the Federation at this point, and they're flying by the, the they have the Nebula flyby shots and the little pulsars, and it's just like the next gen was for yeah. their intros. So yeah. I mean, some of that stuff was just so cool. Yeah. What What do you think was a good high point for you in this season? Good high point. Um. I think that Data coming back and overcoming lore was a really high point for me. I think seeing Enterprise D was really exciting for me. And and let me let me stop you there. I think the cool thing about Data coming back is he's not an and he's an android kind of sort of, but he's in a human body with some. Right, he's the same as what Picard was. Yeah, he's a golem. He's a golem, and he will die a normal death just like Picard will. Yeah, he'll age normally now. Yeah. So that was, that's really, that was really cool, and just to see how he overcame Lore, because Lore has been, I think, a thorn in, you know, Picard's side for a really long time. So just seeing how he overcame him... Through his wits and not through aggression or anything. It's just a very data way to overcome, you know, Lore's influence on him. Yeah, and I think one of the cool things they did with that is they show that when he's back now in, in that last little few minutes of the season. Um, you know, obviously, since he's kind of human now, he has emotions and he's so conflicted and, and he goes through therapy every day with Diana. With yeah. Troy, and then when he leaves the therapy, Rex's like, oh, is it going better? She's like, no, he's batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just dealing with a lot of emotions that he's never had to deal with. And so, you know, she has to, as a counselor and as a friend, has to listen to all of this, um, you know, contemplating about stuff that he's, you know, dealt with it for years that he's just didn't know was something that he had to be worried about. And, you know, 
he just kind of goes down these rabbit holes and you know she's doing the best that she can to listen to him but at the same time she's sitting over there on her ipad you know looking up vacations <laughs> she can go on with yeah. Riker. um one thing i think it was a lot of fun and they and they i i learned it watching that behind the scenes stuff and so the season ends um with the crew playing poker like they did the end of next gen Right. And it pans out, and they're just talking or having fun. And it turns out they filmed just 45 minutes and said, for 45 minutes, play poker in character. Just have fun. And we'll pick and choose what we need. And that was really cool because it was unscripted. And they, they, you, could, you could tell they generally were having fun. Yeah. Um, so one thing I want to bring up before we move on to our hot takes is how do you feel about Q making a return appearance at the end of the season? So I thought that his storyline was um, done, but then, you know, he did make the comment, oh, you know, time isn't linear for us cues, and yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. Um, I just thought that he was going to be done with that role. Maybe, but it's also kind of nice because it shows him being done with Picard. Like, maybe he's not going to mess with him anymore. Well, Um, you know, Patrick Stewart is... 82. Yeah. yeah, really getting up there in age. So. Yeah, I did like, though, how... Yeah, he was like, well, time's not linear for us, Q, so I may have died already in your terms, but, I, you know, for all we know, he could be visiting Jack before he actually dies. Right. Um, which is cool, because I enjoyed it, and I kind of had a feeling when he might show up, because when he filmed season two, he said he was filming parts of season three, too. So I was like, okay, well, if he said he's filming season three, where is he? Yeah, I don't know. So, but I mean, it was still pretty good. It was I didn't, unexpected. It was very unexpected. So let's dive into, um, you know, that we've done on the positives. Let's dive into our hot takes. they going to say this week so you kind of alluded to your hot take already with laris so laris is picard's girlfriend um who was his butler in season one and kind of girlfriend in season two and she's his girlfriend in the first episode of season three well i think in season one she wasn't necessarily butler but just like a, a companion well, her and her friend. her friend, who were former Romulan secret agents, they're kind of like the, the housekeepers. Like, not so much like housekeepers, like we would view it. They, caretakers. Caretakers of the estate. Yeah. They run the operation of his vine- vineyard for him. Yeah, but he, I wouldn't say butler. No. I would just say that she was a caretaker of his estate. But then in the second season, you know, he ends up saying that, you know, he has feelings for her and they, you know, kind of have a... A romantic relationship at the end and then in season three they kind of allude to the fact that you know they're still in this relationship and she's gonna stay on earth to take care of the vineyard while he goes off on his adventure and that's the last you hear of loris yeah and she's supposed to, oh no they're packing up to go to this planet where yeah. she's got a job to do and he's like i'll meet you at this bar when i'm done yeah and then next at the end of the season you see him in a bar with all his friends and beverly his baby mama yeah, but there's no Loris. And I think that just kind of pissed me off because it's like here he's with his baby's mama, 
but he's not... He's not with her either. He's just... He's just there... As a father to his son. Yeah, yeah, as just like a friend figure. And then there was no mention of Loras. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, what happened to her? Is there a relationship? Is there not a relationship? Are they done? Are they... You know, um, at least they could have just had her there as, you know, just kind of a backup character that, you know, she just kind of is, you know, maybe drinking in the background or whatever, doing her own thing. Yeah. Uh, What else do you think was an issue for you this season? Um, An issue for me. Come back to me. Okay. You know, one thing I, I, I struggled with a little bit was you had... Excuse me. You had in season one, Rafi and Seven allude they're going to be a couple, and in season two they are a couple, and here you are in season three and they're just broken up. And there's no mention why they broke up. They just are, yeah. and they find each other at the end of episode nine. And like, you okay? Yeah, I'm cool. All right, and they kind of just brush over it. Yeah. Although it is kind of awkward because Worf's like, well, when you go into battle with a lover, it makes it that much easier. And they're like, oh, she's not coming. He's like, oh, thank God. Yeah, Yeah. I I think that was, again, another storyline that wasn't really well defined. What happened? What was going on? Okay. Um, I think another issue I kind of had with the season, and I mean, it's a trivial issue just as a fan, um, because it's it's a passion of mine, and overall I still think the season was really, really good. I I really wish that we didn't see Picard. We never see... He's an admiral, and he's retired as an admiral. But I really wish he kind of had a uniform a little bit, besides just the black jacket and shirt. Okay. Um, I was just like, come on. He doesn't need to have the formal admiral's uniform, but maybe like the, the cool leather jacket they're all wearing, or and, and a combat, or something that, like that. I was just like, oh, that had been, that'd been really cool to see. Um, but really, I think the biggest issue I had, and I kind of talked about it earlier, was the Enterprise F. It's been te- it was teased all season as being decommissioned. It's um, they bring it over from Star Trek Online game. Um, it's a massive ship. It's a beautiful looking ship. Um, you can see where it's a, the successor to Enterprise E. Um, and it's just like, yeah, it's, we're decommissioning it. It was it's kind of messed up and badly damaged. I'm like, oh, this great looking ship. What's going on? Where's the history? I just want to know what happens. Just like I want to know what happened to Enterprise E. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I I think that some of my stuff is probably just kind of ridiculous. Um, I think that, you know, um, with the Titan, that storyline where they're kind of there with the Batic and, you know, they kind of become part of the, you know, kill Earth <laughs> group. Um, and then all of a sudden they break apart and I, I thought that was just a little ridiculous and maybe over the top of what was really needed for the storyline. Oh, like when Riker and Picard got in a little fight? Yeah. Well, no, just like how, um... Oh, they're kind of like fugitives? Yeah. That they go on like this fugitive rampage. I don't know. I thought that was just a little over the top. I thought maybe the storyline was just... They're trying to draw it out for a few more episodes. Yeah. I, I can see that. I thought that if you wanted if you wanted to draw it out for a few more episodes, you could have put more content in it. Maybe, you know, Loris died. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Loris was like a huge factor for me. That kind of pissed me off. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, I think 
my final detractor from the season is in the trailer it's teased that Professor Moriarty is making a return. And it's like, oh man, what happened? You know, he was he was a big kind of big bad for next gen for a few episodes, being a holodeck recreation of Professor Moriarty, and he's supposed to be smarter than Data. And it's like, oh, he's coming back. What? Oh, did Section Thirty One steal him from the Data Archives? What's going on? And it turns out it was just a projection of Data's memories. Yep. And it wasn't really anything. And it's just like, oh, you teased it and you teased it, and we're all ready for it. We see him, and it's like, oh, this really isn't anything. No. That was a kind of disappointment to me. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that kind of does it on our, our discussion on season three of Picard. Yep. Um, you know, it's, overall, I think it was a fantastic season. Ooh, I keep burping. It's um, it definitely was a good way to finish off this, the first two the the series um, and give the next gen a little bit more closure than we had in Nemesis because Nemesis wasn't supposed to be their last movie, but it performed so poorly in the box office it was their last movie. But it was such a good movie. I liked it. Yeah, it's a Trekkie. I I understand commercially and it I I can see its flaws, but I think it was a good movie. Um, and I've talked about this with Adam before. I'm not one of those who goes in and I need to be artistically moved for me to enjoy a movie and it doesn't need to be this this masterpiece it just need i just need to be entertained yeah and i'm kind of on that same brainwave as you i don't need to have a crazy masterpiece to have a good time as long as i'm entertained with the movie and yeah we've, we've talked about this before yeah. i think the fan like the fast and the furious movies to me are just ridiculous will i pay to go see it yes because I'm entertained by how, how just over the top. Well, now we have a child, so now we have to, you know, be careful what we pay for now. Yeah, because we, we haven't even seen Mario yet, and that's seen ridiculous. Guardians of the Galaxy three yet. Yeah, which is also ridiculous because we always see that's something movie. that we would have seen right away. Yeah. Now we have to pick and choose what kind of date nights we want. Yeah, pick and choose <laughs> how many ba- how many nights we can get out with the babysitter. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so that wraps up our discussion on uh, season three of Picard. But before we leave. It's that time we got to bring up our geek wreck of the week. And so, um, Megan, I'll let, you, I'll let you go with this one. You already know what I'm going to say. Yeah, we already know. Yeah, I've... I mean, like, I'm a Zelda um, aficionado. Um, I love Zelda, and Tears of the Kingdom just came out on Friday. Um and I'm just really enjoying it. I think it's so much fun right now. I'm just in the beginning island because I don't have much time to play um, with a kid and all. But um, I'm just super excited to see where it's going to go. And the storyline seems like it's going to be pretty solid. And I'm just really excited for it. Okay. That's, no, I, I that's awesome. Um, I think so. my wreck of the week... Um, is and me and you and, and Adam, obviously the co our, our usual co host and his girlfriend Kaylin, um, all went to a fun concert this past weekend. Yeah, we did. Um, and so the band that we saw was the National Parks. Um, and so, um, if you've never heard of them, I highly recommend them. They're a fun little poppy folk band, I guess is the best way to, to, yeah. to clue it in. And we got to have like a little QA session with them, and they're just really down to earth people, which was really kind of cool to see. So, you know, it's, it kind of sucks when you see, like, your idols in real life. But these people, you see them in real life, and they were just down-to-earth, kind of just really cool, wanting-to-hang-out kind of people. Yeah, it was great and fun show. One of the better shows, probably in the top five shows I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, we were dancing like crazy people. Yeah. We were having so much fun. It Their was, music is just And then when exciting. we were done, it's like, well, we stood for 
eight hours on the street. Yeah, which we don't normally do in our normal no, lives. No. So that was rough on the hips and stuff. You know, we're getting old. No. No. Just you. Okay, just me. Just you. <laughs> Even though Adam's more gray than I am. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Adam's going to come yeah, back. No, and Adam's going to be like, mad. He's going to be like, I am not. I am not old. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I, he, he'll, he'll go dye his hair just to mess with us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so that brings us to the end of this episode, guys. Um, Megan, thank you so much for coming and talking to me, talking with me about Star Trek, because um, Adam won't watch Star Trek Picard. He'll watch the, the older stuff, yeah. um, but he's not up to date, so I appreciate you coming in whenever we need someone to talk about Star Trek with me to get my nerd on on that. On. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, I I love Star Trek, so it's and I've watched all the episodes episodes with you, the new episodes anyway, yeah. and it's uh yeah, love to talk about it. All right, folks. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. But before we leave, you know what that means. You're gonna follow, like, subscribe, comment, uh, tweet, whatever you do on all social media platforms at Geek Drink Pod. That's Facebook, Instagram, Discord, Twitter. Uh, I don't know if I said TikTok, but TikTok. Um, leave us a review. Talk to us. Um, chat with us. Let, us. let us know what you thought of Season 3 of Picard. Or even the first two seasons as well. Um, and then, like I said, give us some ideas. Some things you want us to talk about. Um, but that wraps up this episode of uh, Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. I hope everyone has a great geek week. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye. been another episode of the have a drink with some geeks podcast all content copyright geek drink pod 2023